Welcome to Breaking Through. I'm Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Today's episode is part of my special podcast series, Where We Are Now. This series highlights the CHOP doctors and researchers who are working day and night to help bring an end to the COVID-19 pandemic. They are working on the front lines and behind the scenes to better understand COVID-19 and to make breakthroughs the world needs right now. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. David Rubin. Dr. Rubin is the director of the Policy Lab, a unique research center at CHOP. He and his team created a modeling tool that predicts the spread of COVID-19 across more than 500 counties in the United States. This tool is an important resource for local, state, and federal leaders, and it's been featured in the New York Times and on CNN, among many other places. Dr. Rubin, since we're recording this interview remotely, let's begin by describing where we are now. I'm in my office at the Robert Center for Pediatric Research. What about you? Where are you sitting right now? I'm actually sitting up in a small cabin in upstate New York. That sounds really nice. <laughs> it is really nice. It's also a good way to practice social distancing. <laughs> yes, it is. But it seems like you're still working. Dr. Rubin, let's begin by telling the listeners a bit about CHOP's Policy Lab and what makes it unique. You know, I, I, as people have asked me about that, Madeline, I, I, in many ways, we couldn't have known when we started the center back in 2007, 2008, with a vision of bringing together an interdisciplinary group to improve the services and programs for children by translating evidence for policymakers and for program developers. We couldn't have known back then as we were building a communications team and a policy team and bringing in public health experts and social workers and psychologists and physicians. We couldn't have known at that point that in many ways it prepared us for what just happened. When this epidemic started in February, March, we had a full team ready to go and an engine that had been built over a decade. And I think that has positioned us really well to really guide some of the decision-making around this epidemic, particularly on behalf of working families, the people we represent at CHOP. So the modeling tool that you developed is really innovative and unique. Can you tell us how it's different than other modeling tools that we're seeing out there in the news? Yeah, I go back to the earliest days of Policy Lab. One of the earliest evidence to action briefs that we did was about the effects of recession on children and families. And at that time, we acknowledged how important the safety net was for families, but also that families would be the most impacted when there was a downturn, particularly working families because of their reliance on childcare, on schools, but also the types of employment, et cetera. The recovery of families always takes the longest when you look at the recoveries coming out of recession. Knowing that when this epidemic started, it galvanized our team. And we were watching national models that were showing deaths and potential hospitalizations and the sheer magnitude of what was coming with COVID. We wanted to position our research in a way that could safely navigate a conversation of how to get kids back to school, families back to work, but also knowing when we needed to be more cautious. And so we decided to embark on a different path as people were sharing national models. We decided to start building local area forecasts for the country, which have now grown to over 500 county level forecasts every week. 
that seek to allow people in the moment to understand what the risk is to their community, to shape the public policy responses locally so that we protect the people that need to be protected, but we get families back to work as soon as it's safe to do so, that we help shape the reopening of schools. And I think it was that decision early on to build these local area forecasts that has now positioned us to really help guide the safe reopening of communities and sometimes the difficult decision to tighten restrictions. Well, the governor of Pennsylvania has said to me specifically that he's so proud of CHOP and to be the Pennsylvania governor when he tunes in and sees you talking about your model and reading about your model in major media. How have you specifically been working with governors, elected officials, the federal government, advising them using your model as a basis? Well, this is the engine of policy lab in many ways. It's not just that we developed, I believe, some of the best models in the country right now through the terrific teams at CHOP and at Penn in terms of our scientists, but we also knew how to engage policymakers. And that started with our own state team and the governor's office here in Pennsylvania. And early on, we were very helpful by illustrating to the state that the rural areas, for example, were not seeing the same epidemic that Philadelphia was and that Pittsburgh was also different than Philadelphia. It allowed the governor's team to shape a selective reopening response that permitted some areas to open sooner than others, which I think was important and addressed some concerns in other areas of the state where they weren't seeing the cases uh, as to why they weren't being allowed to work. Meanwhile, it also protected areas like the Philadelphia region that really needed more time and patience before they could reopen. That has since migrated to other state leaders as well, too. And eventually, because of our engagement, it led our way to the coronavirus task force, where we began sharing models with them a couple of months ago to help them really understand at a more granular level the way in which this epidemic was moving across the country. And then it culminated in being asked to prepare for that task force uh, scenario plans related to some of the new mitigation efforts that are being sent to governors and state leaders right now to try to develop more consistent national response. And so, you know, I really applaud the interdisciplinary team at Policy Lab, our colleagues at CHOP in our external affairs office, we really positioned ourselves not only to do the work, but also to make sure it got into the right hands so that people can make smarter choices in how they were going to go about this crisis. In looking at the past few months, what's the biggest aha moment, the most surprising thing that you learned from the model? I think it was what we've been observing in the summer. We actually have a paper that reveals that while we hoped that there would be seasonal effects that would have allowed for a pretty peaceful summer, what we actually found was beyond springtime temperatures, there was this gathering effect of people starting to crowd together that whatever benefit there may have been from higher temperatures in terms of degrading the virus's ability to transmit was completely overwhelmed by the lack of social distancing we would have expected during summertime. And even though those findings relate to an analysis of 211 counties we did from the earliest outbreak, they've stood the test of time as we now see the virus resurging in many areas of the South and some of our warmest areas. That was surprising to me. I think we had all hoped this would behave like a seasonal respiratory virus like influenza. And what we've now found is the, the single most important determinant of whether we succeed against this virus is our willingness to practice social distancing. Dr. Rubin, we're all looking for some bright spots during this difficult and uncertain time. What gives you hope right now? I've talked about this a lot. I love this country. I think that the same things that are hampering our response, this expression of individualism and liberty, 
is something that is an undercurrent in our national discourse all the time. And it's also the key to unlocking success. I think people are learning in a difficult way, particularly in the Southwest, Arizona and California, just what it's going to take to defeat this virus and the trade-offs to that liberty that we need to do now in order to preserve our liberty and freedoms as we move forward. The acknowledgement that areas are closing down is leading people to practice social distancing more, to try to get their case counts down. And if I have any optimism, it's that our failures during the summer are going to steal us and prepare us for what could be a more difficult fall and winter. And if we learn from the mistakes we've made right now, that we might be in better shape as we move into the fall and winter. I always like to close by asking my guests about their personal breakthroughs. Dr. Rubin, could you tell me about your biggest breakthrough moment? I think the biggest breakthrough moment was I'd been doing this research on local area context for a long time with infant home visiting, with the use of mental health services by families across the country. And my personal breakthrough moment was to meet my co-lead investigators, Dr. Greg Tajan, who's in our Department of Surgery, as a pediatric urologist who had been studying weather effects on the increase in kidney stones in children over time, and then Dr. Jing Wang, who's one of our biostatisticians. The advantage that our research institute gives us to be able to have that, in this case, what was a virtual water cooler talk, and to kind of combine our interests and say that we could build these models that combine temperature and humidity with social distancing effects and position them in a way that could help now the entire country try to calibrate their response. To me, that was a huge personal breakthrough of how we could leverage our research skills for something so practical and solution-oriented. That's all the time we have for today. Dr. David Rubin, thank you for joining me. And let me just add, we are really proud of the work that you and your team are doing at Policy Lab. To learn more about the model we discussed today, you can visit policylab.chop.edu and to find out how you can be part of tomorrow's breakthroughs at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, please visit chop.edu giving. At CHOP, we make breakthroughs every day. I'm Madeline Bell. Thank you for listening. 